join in with us this morning. Good morning, guys. Welcome for joining us this morning here at New Life Church and for everyone in attendance today. You know, uh, we were out last week, uh, tomorrow in Camden and I, we were out on vacation for the past two weeks. Uh, last week, we were, well, two weeks ago, we were in Baton Rouge, uh, my hometown. We went back to Baton Rouge and hung out with our family. That was the first time our family actually got together since the pandemic started. So that was the first time our entire family got a chance to, to get together and hang out. We had a really great time. And then this past week, uh, we went to Destin as well. So we had a good time in Destin. Yeah, I could tell I got a nice tan this morning. I used the Hawaiian Tropic tanning oil. I'm just joking. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But no, but we had a good time this past week. But we're so glad to be back with you guys today. And today, this is the final week of our Real Jesus series. Have y'all enjoyed the Real Jesus series? I know I have really enjoyed this. And again, if you're just joining with us for the first time online or just with us in the sanctuary today for the first time, The Real Jesus is a book that was written uh, by my pastor and one of the overseers of our church, Jonathan Stockstill, at Bethany Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He wrote a book called The Real Jesus. So we're just doing a four-week series along with churches across uh, our country that we're doing this series, uh, The Real Jesus. And this is the fourth and final week. And I'm excited about this message. I'm sorry to see this uh, series come to a close, but I'm excited about the message today. Y'all want to know the title of the message? Yeah. It's something that everybody likes to say when they're doing something that they don't, that you might say, this is not favorable, but I don't want you to look at me funny. So we always say these three words, don't judge me. Don't judge me. You know, when you're doing something, you feel like you don't not supposed to be doing. Look, don't judge me. Don't judge me. If you look in a mess or something and someone sees you in the store, don't look, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I had to rush real quick. So the title of today's message is Don't Judge Me. Y'all say don't judge me. And also the notes for this message are on our app. You can download the New Life Church of Mobile app. You'll see all of our notes for this uh, message. They'll be on the app. You can follow along with that as well. But man, let's pray and then we'll get into the word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for being in the midst today. Open up our hearts to receive something fresh and new from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Don't judge me. Man, those are three words that our society loves to use is don't judge me. But when we talk about judgment, we have to, or, and we're talking about the real Jesus, we have to get into the understanding of who Jesus really is. We have to understand the nature of Jesus and this is some of the ways that people like to focus on Jesus. Some people love to only think about Jesus as the Jesus with the whip in his hand. Because, you know, Jesus, he didn't take no mess. Jesus, he would go in there and he would clear out the temple and he came in there with the whip and he turned tables over. And that's the Jesus that some people like to focus on. They like, the, they like that Jesus, the Jesus with the whip in his hand. But some people, they like to focus on barefoot Jesus. He said, well, what's barefoot Jesus? This is the Jesus that some people like. They imagine him walking around barefoot, playing with butterflies and kind of hippie-ish a little bit. And he's like, hey, little guys, I just come to save the dolphins and the whales and to make the world a better place. And that's the Jesus some people like to imagine or focus on that, that Jesus was. Some people like action figure Jesus. Y'all know who action figure Jesus is? This is the Jesus that performs the miracles. This is the Jesus that heals. This is the Jesus that walks on water, that does all the action figure stuff, the cool stuff. This is a Jesus that some, they just want to focus on, on this Jesus. Some people, they like the Santa Claus Jesus. 
where I could just pray and I can get anything I want. Like on Christmas Day, they like to focus on Santa Claus Jesus. It's so many different factions that people like to focus or paint Jesus. And society paints Jesus in so many different ways. But the truth is, Jesus is, will be the one that will judge the entire world. He will be the one that will judge the entire, entire world. It's not, and that's not the Jesus that people want to talk about. We want to talk about some of the things that I mentioned before, but it's very seldom do we want to talk about the Jesus that will judge the entire world. And I have a question for you. Will Jesus be our judge? Will Jesus one day be our judge? Yes, it's not a trick question. He will be our judge. He will examine our lives and he will judge. Yes, Jesus saved me. Yes, Jesus loves me. But guess what? Jesus will also judge me. And I know that word, that phrase, don't judge me. That's what we love to say. Don't judge me. Nobody's perfect. Don't judge me now. Nobody. We love to say that. But the truth is that we'll become a day, there will come a day in time where Jesus, we will stand before him and he will judge each and every one of us. You know, this is one of culture's favorite verses. It comes from Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. That, that's the Jesus everyone likes right there. I, I, the Jesus I know, he don't judge anyone. Because he says, if you don't judge others, then you won't be judged. And boy, we like to quote that verse, don't we? That, that, don't judge me. Another verse that is very popular is John chapter 3, verse 17. John chapter 3, verse 17. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save it through him. God sent his son into the world, not to judge it, but not to judge the world, but to save it through him. But this is the Jesus that Jesus begins to talk to himself in present tense. Like this is the Jesus he's talking about. It's like, I'm to come. And this comes from John chapter 5, verse 27. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the son of man. So he's talking about himself in the, in the present tense or in the time to come in the future. And also he's talking about himself in the future in Matthew chapter 16, verse 27. when it says, for the son of man will come with his angels in the glory of his father and will judge all people according to their deeds. So what am I getting at today? The bottom line is this, is that we are not fit to judge. The whole point is we are not fit to judge. There's only one person that is truly fit to judge, and that is just, and that is Jesus. God has appointed that in his son that he is just and he is worthy to judge, and Jesus is the only one that is worthy to judge. You know, everyone in society right now wants justice. So many people want justice on so many different topics and so many different issues. We all want justice. And you know what? The only true justice comes from Jesus. Because he's the only one that is truly just. You know, we're imperfect. We're infallible. There's so many faults that we have. And so we have our own opinions, our own views. So we can't truly judge in a very fair manner. Jesus is the only one that is qualified to judge in a fair manner. It's Jesus. And did you know this, that there's nothing wrong with judgment. Judgment is not a bad thing. But sometimes we feel like judgment is a bad thing, but it's only bad is when you do something wrong. Judgment is only bad when you do something wrong. Think about it. What if you were in school and you studied all week for a test and you get that Friday comes and boy, you excited about that test and you take that test and you know you ace the test. And wouldn't you want your, your teacher to judge you fairly 
on the on the work that you did because you know you studied and you made 100. And then when you she gives that paper back to you and you see 100, perfect score, you're like, you know what? She judged me fairly. I know I studied and I worked hard. I want my A. What is that? That's good. That's, that's, judgment is not bad. But when you know you didn't study and you know that, man, I don't even... I don't even remember her talking about this in class. Like, when did we go over this? And you trying to look at your neighbor and like, bro, you remember this? I don't remember this either. And it's like, what is that? You don't want her to judge you justly. Why? Because you know that it's going to be a bad grade. But judgment is only bad when you do something wrong. But we live in a cancel culture society where if we don't, if you don't if you would, uh, agree with our views, you don't agree with our opinions or our way of life, guess what? We're going to cancel you. We're going to eliminate you. We don't care what you have to say. And guess what? That's judgment. That's judgment. That's what it really is. It's judgment. But the word says we have to be careful because the same measure that you judge will be the measure that you will be judged. So we have all these people running around talking about, I'm done with you. It's a be careful because the same measure that you judge will be the measure that you will be judged as well. And Jesus is the only one that is perfectly fit to judge. So this morning, I want to take the pressure off you today. Guess what, y'all? You don't have to judge. Y'all say, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Man, in school, we're talking about tests. This has got me thinking about school. In school, now you don't have to raise your hand because I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I know some of y'all probably did this. Have y'all heard of the word cheat sheet? See, I see some heads shaking, some smiles. Y'all know what cheat sheets are. I know some of y'all got through school through cheat sheets. I'm just joking. Maybe you did. Maybe you online. Y'all got through school, but through cheat sheets. But Jesus, he, he gave us a blueprint or a cheat sheet. And I'm going to talk about that cheat sheet that Jesus gave us in a moment. But I remember in college, and I'm not going to name the department because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But in college, we had these things called departmentals where you had to pass your departmental to receive your diploma, to graduate. And there was this one department that I don't know how many years, maybe 20 plus years, they never changed the final departmental. It was always the same. So everybody knew that there was a cheat sheet floating around that, hey, if you get the answers to the, this, these are the answers, because they hadn't changed the test. And this happened to be, it wasn't my department, I just put that out there, it wasn't, it wasn't my department, but it was the year that I graduated. And so this department, everybody that took the test, pretty much I would say out of maybe 50 in that department, 48 made 100. So instead of them just saying, let's just miss a few, not to kind of give it away, they all made hundreds. So they got everybody in the department thinking, okay, okay, so what is going on? So they changed the test, of course, made everybody retake it, and I think out of the 50, I think 47 failed. Why? Because their cheat sheet was taken away. And eventually they gave them chance after chance after chance. And they eventually everybody passed. I believe everybody passed. But the point is, is like sometimes you just need a little cheat sheet. And you think that it's just like if you were a parent or when you were growing up, your parents would come in your room and say, now when I come back, this room better be clean. Or you tell your kids that, you say, now, now I'm going to give you to 1 o'clock. Now, when I come back, I need this in order. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And what I'm saying is this, is like, that's what Jesus did when he came the first time. The first time Jesus came, he says, I've come to save. I'm not here to judge you. 
I'm, I've come to save. But when I come back, I'm just telling you, things better be in order. Because the second time I'm coming, I'm coming to judge. That's what Jesus was talking about. And, but I love that he didn't just tell us that and just drop that bomb on us. He gave us a cheat sheet on what to do when he comes back. So today we're going to look at the cheat sheet. What is the cheat sheet that Jesus gave us to be prepared for when he returns a second time? Because y'all do know he is coming back again. That's what I love about Jesus. He, he's not just going to tell you to do something without telling you how to do it. He prepared us for his return. So the first time he came to save us, he didn't come to judge us this first time. Some people feel like Jesus came to judge. No, he came to save us. His first appointment when he touched down on earth, he came to save humanity. And that's exactly what he did. Second time he's coming back to judge, but he's going to do it in a way that he gave us a cheat sheet. And just talking about cheat sheets just made me think about another story. Y'all want to hear another story? Ironically, this is in college again. And so my first two years in college, I wasn't saved. And I really didn't care about school. I just wanted to play baseball. And so I had a biology class that was my last, I think it was on a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, if I remember correctly. And it was the last class of the day. And, and it was right before practice. And it was like, it was hard to go to class, get something to eat, then get ready for practice, because I like to go to practice early or whatever. Like, I have my priorities in order, as you can see. And so what I would do is I would just like, man, I would just skip this class, and I'll just get the notes from somebody, and I'll just take the test whenever they, because they give you the syllabus, you know when the tests are. So it's like, I'll just do that. Well, some tests I didn't go to, and I didn't attend the test. And if I did take the test, I didn't do so well. So like any good college student, at the end of the semester, I go into the professor's office and say, what must I do to get a good grade in your class? Is there any extra credit that I could do to, to, to pass this class? And he said, well, I'll tell you this. If you pass the final, I'll give you a B or something like that. And I was like, that's all I have to do? And he's like, yes. I was like, great. Well, come to find out, there was another biology teacher that she had the answers to the final. And she was like, all you have to do is just come to my house. I'll give you the final. You fill it out beforehand, and then you just turn it in when you get there. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. But again, I'm not safe. So I'm like, it's all under the blood. We talked about the blood under. This is, this is all under the blood of Jesus. So I remember I went to her house to go get the, the final. But to my amazement, the house was packed. I'm like, what are all these people doing here? Every, I don't know how many people it was, but it was a lot of people. They were all there to get the final. And some of them didn't have books like myself. I didn't have a book for the class, so I had to stay there. And let me use the book. And we filled out that whole final exam. And then when we took the final, we waited a little while. And, of course, we missed some because we didn't, we didn't want to make 100 and make it look uh, suspicious. So we took that final, and I passed. And I got a whatever the grade, a B or whatever it was on that test. And... The point is, is that that was a cheat sheet. We, now, I'm not advocating cheating this morning. I know it may seem like that, but what I'm saying is I'm leading up to something, if you catch me. Jesus gave us a cheat sheet. We all need a cheat sheet. Amen? And Jesus told us, this is what you need to prepare for on the test. These are the things that you need to prepare for on the test. If you're watching online, we're about to go over the things you need to prepare for for the test when Jesus comes back to judge. And it comes from Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew 25, I feel it gives three clear examples, and it tells three stories that Jesus gives us the answer to the test of what we should be prepared for. The first one 
in Matthew 25, he tells the story of the ten virgins. He says five were wise and five were foolish. Five, they, they had enough oil to last them throughout the night waiting upon the bridegroom to come. And the five foolish ones, they didn't have enough oil. So when they ran out of oil, they began to ask the other five, hey, can we borrow some of your oil? And they were, I could probably, I could picture that moment right there. They probably look at them like, man, you should have bought your own oil. I got enough for me. I don't know what you're going to do. There's a 7-Eleven down the street. Maybe you could go over there and get some, but you're not getting any of my oil. So the five foolish ones, they left, and they went to get oil. And when they left, that's when the bridegroom came, and they, all the ones, the five wise ones, they went into the party, and they had the feast, and the five foolish ones, they came knocking on the door. They couldn't get in, and that's a great picture of judgment. Then when Jesus returns, he's saying that there is going to be five that's going to be ready. Then there's going to be five that are, think they're ready, but they're not, and they're going to get left out, and they're going to miss the party. That's the first cheat sheet that it gave us, is, is the, 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 the story of the ten virgins. The second one is, he tells a story of a master that goes on a long trip. And he takes three servants, and he rations out bags of silver to them. To one, he gives five bags of silver. To another, he, uh, he gives two bags of silver. And to one, he gives one bags of silver. And the one that he gave five bags, when he come back on the trip, he says, Master, you've given me five bags of silver, and I've multiplied it to ten. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now I will give you more responsibility. Then he turned to the one that gave him two, that he gave two bags of silver. And he said, Master, you gave me two, and I multiplied it to four. And he says, I will give you more responsibility. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Then he turns to the one that gave one bag of silver, and he says, hey, I heard that you were cruel. I heard that you were a hard man, that you took vineyards that weren't yours. So I just buried it in the dirt just so I wouldn't lose it. And he said, well, if you knew I was a cruel and a hard man, why didn't you at least put my money in the bank so it could gain some interest? And he says, away from me, you wicked, you lazy and wicked servant, for depart from me. And what is that? That is a great depiction of judgment. And we're going to get to that in a minute of what this means. In his case, judgment was bad. The first two, judgment was good. The, set, the last one, judgment was bad. And this is the third and final story that we're going to look at from Matthew chapter 25. And this is a story where the king is coming, and he says, I'm going to divide the sheep and the goats. And to me, this is the most scary one. He says, I'm going to put the sheep on my right and the goats on my left. And then when he comes in, the king will look at the, the sheep and says, he says, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. He says, when I didn't have a place to stay, when I was homeless, you gave me a roof over my head. And he says, well, when did, we, when did we do this? He says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. But then he'll turn to the goats and he says, when I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. And he says, depart from me for I never knew you. He's going to turn to the goats. And say, what is that? That's judgment. And that's a great depiction of what Jesus says is going to be like when he's returned. So I think he's given us a little insight of what we should be prepared for when he returns. Amen. So I'm going to break this down to you. So all those three stories, what I mentioned, they have one word in common. That word is this, it's stewardship. Y'all say that, stewardship. stewardship. Stewardship, you say, what is my purpose on earth? Your purpose on earth is to steward well the things that God has given you. All the things that God has placed in your care, guess what? You are to steward those wells. And those three stories that we talked about are talking about stewardship. So the, I'm going to give you three points today on how to prepare for when Jesus returns, but they all have to do with stewardship. The first thing is this, and this comes from the first example. 
we have to, and you can write this down if you're taking notes. The first thing is stewardship of your faith. Stewardship of your faith. And all faith is, is how well you take care of what you believe. How well do you steward or take care of what you believe? That's what faith is, is what you believe. How well do you steward what you believe? Faith is thing is the thing that you're convinced about. Like, I'm totally convinced that Jesus is the Son of Man. I'm totally convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. Are you totally convinced of that, or are you going to steward that well? But this is the thing about faith and stewardship. Your faith gets tested. I don't know if you know this, but this thing called life happens, and things happen that sometimes don't seem like they're fair. Sometimes it seems like things don't go our way. When can I ever catch a break? When is it going to be my turn? Why do these things happen? And because of life experiences, we get our faith takes blows. Y'all ever taken a faith blow where it's just like a blow to your faith? You were believing for a loved one to be healed, and they didn't hit, become healed here on earth, and they depart. And he's like, what is this? God, I prayed. Why didn't you heal them? What is that? That's a faith blow. That's a faith blow. Those are life experiences. Or sometimes your faith, you, your faith gets lied to. You get lied to. It's like you believe in something, and so you believe in a person, or you believe in something so great, and then you go into college, and then the professor starts telling you these different things. You're like, wait a minute. That, that's, that doesn't sound like the, the God that I know, but it sounds like the truth, and you believe a lie. And then now the society is telling you, oh, no, you should believe this. Don't believe what the word says. Society says this is what is trending. Get on the train. It's 2021. You should be believing this. You should be thinking like this. And now your faith is lied to, and now your faith takes another blow because you've been lied to by society and culture. Stewardship of your faith. Then it comes times where your faith, it will take some time where it wears on your zeal and your passion. What does that mean? That means when you first got saved, you're excited. You're full of passion. You're full of zeal. You're ready to do whatever it took. But over time, your passion and your zeal just kind of dwindled away because of life, because of seasons of life, because of circumstances. It's like, well, I don't have as much time as I used to. And, well, I have more time now, but I don't. And it's like, because things change, guess what? We have to steward our faith well. So in all seasons of life, we have to steward our faith well. And what Jesus is saying is, when I come back again, I'm going to judge, how did you steward your faith? Is life fair? No. Did I promise you it would be fair? I don't think he promised us that life would be fair. But what he did promise us was this, that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And through the midst of everything that we walk through, when he comes back, he's going to say, did you steward your faith well? Stewardship. It's stewardship of our faith. And I want to encourage you today. Man, we walk through some difficult things. And I know life gets hard at times. But I want to encourage you in this. Steward your faith well. Don't let life circumstances take you out because things happen that you didn't fully understand. There's things that I don't understand yet, but you know what? I can't let that deter me from pursuing the Lord and to keep my eyes fixed on him. Because the moment I take my eyes off him and start worried about what happened and trying to figure it out, guess what? My faith is shipwrecked. I can't allow the enemy and life circumstances to dictate how, it, how I steward my faith. So we have to steward our faith well. Amen? I'm going to give you three keys to keeping your faith. These are three keys to keeping your faith. You can write these down. Remember God's faithfulness to you. Remember God's faithfulness to you. When we took communion earlier, we say, let's just remember of the past things that God has brought us through. 
and God has helped us overcome. Let's re just remember, sometimes, you know, if just a heart of gratitude and a heart of thanksgiving can get you out of the mully grubs. When you just start being thankful and remember the things that God has brought you out of, when you start remembering those things and the faithfulness of God, guess what? A praise will rise up in your heart. A song will rise, a dance will rise up inside of you. What is that? Because you're remembering the faithfulness of God. You want to steward your faith well? Remember the faithfulness of God. Remember the things that God has brought you out of, what God has helped you overcome. Man, some of you have a great testimony of things that God has that's helped you to overcome. That's something to be joyful about. That's something to shout about. That's something to be excited about. But sometimes we forget about those things thinking about what we don't have. Remember the things that God has done for you, his faithfulness. Amen? That's the first thing. The second thing is this. Stay in God's word. Be encouraged in God's word. Know what God's word says. So when the enemy does try to come with you with lies, you say, nope, that's not what the word says. So you can immediately sniff out a lie and say, no, devil, you're not going to tempt me with that lie because I know what the word of God says. Not only that, you need to know the promises of God so when you do walk through difficulty, you can go to Scripture and say, this is what the Scripture says about this. I can stand on the promises of God, and I know that God is ne will never fail me. Amen? Amen? Stay in God's Word. The third thing that you can do to keep, to keep your faith is this, is stay connected to people that are on fire. You get around some people that are on fire and excited about the Lord, it's hard to not be on fire and excited about the Lord as well. Because what, you don't need to be around people that's all discouraged. How you doing? Nobody loves me. Like Eeyore. Well, nobody loves me. I'm going through a difficult time again. Well, my car broke down again, and I just got to go back and try to get it fixed. And it's like, man, you're depressed all over again. You need to be around some people that have some joy, that have some excitement, that have some fire, because that'll begin to rub off on you because you realize, you know what? I need some joy. You know what? The fire that I, man, I, they, the, they excited about God. I think I need that too. That encourages you. You don't need to be around people that sap your energy and sap your strength. Be around some people that are on fire. Amen? Amen. And we talked about the, five ver the ten versions, the five wise and the five foolish. They, they, it says that the five wise, they had enough oil. Oil is always a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Oil is always a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And as long as you have the oil of the Holy Spirit, guess what? Your faith will remain. Your faith will remain. You will remain strong as less you, always if you have the oil of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So the first thing we do is we steward with stewardship of our, our faith. Second thing is stewardship of our gifts. Stewardship of a gift. This was about the talents. He gave them uh, the bags of silver. He gave one, five, one, two, one, one. God has given all of us gifts. Whether you believe it or not, you have a gift. Every single person in this room, you watch it online, you have a gift. Don't let the enemy deceive you. Say, well, I can't sing. Well, that, that doesn't matter. Maybe that's not your gift, but maybe it is hosting. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's hospitality. Maybe it's management. Maybe it's, it's just caring for others. Whatever it is, everybody has a gift. And not only just a gift, you have more than one gift. It's up to us to explore through God to find out, what are my gifts? What am I truly passionate about? And when we do that, we find those things out. God has called us to steward those things well. God did not only give you gifts to serve or, or to, to use for his glory. He's also gifted you relationships. Did you know that? That relationships are a gift. You know the spouse that you have? That's a gift from God. Your spouse that God has given, that's a gift from God. 
So I would pray that throughout your life with your spouse, that you would steward that gift well. That at the end of your spouse's life, that they would say, you know what? I'm glad I married that person because they made my life better. It was funny. We were in Destin uh, this past week, as I mentioned, and we were just in the pool talking to another couple. And we were just asking each other how long he was married. we were married. And he was like, oh, man, I've been married. It feels like five minutes underwater. <laughs> but he was joking. But I thought it was so funny that he's like, five minutes underwater. Let's not your marriage be like that. Steward your marriage well. Steward your spouse well. Make, enrich their lives. Like, like, and make it be to the point where it's like, how can I make my spouse better? How can I make their lives better? God, the relationships are a gift. Not only your spouse, but your children. Children are a gift. How well do you steward your gift? We're going to give an account for that. How well do we steward our children? How we raise them? Some of you can look back and say, well, I wish my parents would have done a better job. We're not talking about that. We're talking about you. <laughs> We're talking about you. It's like, how well do you steward your children? That is a gift from God. We're going to be account of that. And also our friendships. How do we steward our friend? Do we treat, are we a good friend? Are we a good friend? Do we steward those well? So relationships are gifts from God. There's so many gifts that God has given us, not just tangible physical gifts that we could do or just a brain or whatever it is. It's like any gift that God has given you, we are to steward that well. And he's going to look at that. Did you multiply the gifts that I've given you? Just like he asked those, he, the one that were five, he brought back ten. The one with two, he gave four. But the one that had one, he brought back one. Don't be that person that said, God, I gave you all this. What, did you multiply? No, God, I was afraid to step out and do something. I was afraid to step out and say something. Don't be, he's given us the cheat sheet, y'all. Steward your gifts well. So we steward our faith. We steward our gifts. And this is the third. Oh, before I move on, I will have to say this. He's also stewarded us with the gift of the gospel. God has placed the gospel in our hands. That is the greatest gift that we have right there is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's going to ask us, what did you do with the gospel that I placed in your hands? Anyone under the sound of my voice, you've heard the gospel. And God's going to say, what did you do with the gospel that I placed in your hand? Were you a great steward with the gospel? Did the people in your workplace, did they know you were a believer? Did they have an opportunity to come to church or to come to Christ through your, through your hands? Well, you, can, you, can you save everybody? No, that's not your job. But our job is to give them an invitation to come meet the one that can. He's going to give us an account for that. He's gifted us the gospel in our hands. We have to steward that gift well. Amen? That's the second thing. Steward your gifts. This is the third and final thing. Stewardship of your love. Stewardship of your love. And this is, goes back to the sheep and the goat. God will separate us according to our love and how we treat others. He will, he, will, he will judge us based on our love for others and how well we treat others as well. Anyone who is a follower of Christ and truly surrendered to him will do the same works that he did and even greater if you're truly connected to him. It's very simple to follow Christ if you're truly connected to him. Like, it's going to be obvious by the fruit in your life. You know, for an orange tree, it's not hard for an orange tree to produce oranges, but it would be impossible for an orange tree to produce bananas. Why? Because it was designed to produce oranges. And when you're truly connected to the vine, guess what? You're going to produce fruit. 
There's going to be fruit that's evident in your life just because you're truly connected and you surrender to God. It's going to be evident. And God is going to say, I'm going to judge you based upon your love for others. Just like the sheep and the goat that we mentioned, he's going to base a, uh, judge us for, from that. And we have some pra- practical demonstrations of God's love, of what that looks like. Let's just read the verse from Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. And it starts off, it says, But when the Son of Man go- comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say, those on his right, come, you are blessed, my father, inherit my, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the one, from the, from the creation of the world. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. What is this? These are tangible examples of the love that God is looking for us to demonstrate in the lives of others. Barry, you say, well, how do I demonstrate or how do I stewardship, steward my love? Those things that we just read about right there. It's just being generous and giving freely of your resources to others in need. But the only thing with that is the danger of that could become this. It could could look like you have to work to gain God's approval. It's not about works. It's about your heart. God will examine your heart and your motives and everything that you do. So those things that he said, he's like, you could give someone some clothing if they're naked, but you're only doing it because you want to look like a good person. God is saying, I'm not looking at your works of what you do. I'm looking at your heart and your actions behind why did you do it? Did you do it just so you could post about it on Instagram and so people could think you're a good person? If you were doing that, then guess what? The, the reward you received is going to burn up. That, that's the reward you receive is public praise. But for eternal value, things that will last, things that will last for eternity, we have to do those things with a sincere and contrite heart. And the tricky thing is, is like we know, the Bible says that we don't even know the depths of our own heart. And so that's why it's so important that when we do things, that we make sure, God, search my heart, search my motives, ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing it for public recognition just to make it look like I'm a good person? You know, there's a lot of people that are really good people that they do a lot of good things in, in the world. But guess what? That's the only reward they will receive is here on earth because they're not doing it for the love or for the approval of God. And this is not to bring condemnation. This is not to bring guilt. This message is to bring awareness to say that he is coming again. But not only that, but he's given us a cheat sheet. He's given us a look in and what he's looking for when he returns a second time. I know we don't like to be judged, but guess what? Jesus will judge us when he comes back again. Amen? There's two types of judgments that's coming for us. One is the judgment for all. That's the, that's, the, that's the one, the first judgment, that's the sheep and the goats where everyone's invited. And then he'll begin to separate us. And this is the second judgment, which is the judgment seat of Christ. That's when we stand before Jesus and we give an account for those things that I just mentioned. When he'll say, when you did this, why did you do it? What was your motive behind that? And we'll get judged for that. That's the, that's the second judgment. And I'll just pray that we all be like in the group with the sheep, amen, with, with, with the sheep. 
but this message is not to, to condemn you. It's not to bring judgment. It's to bring awareness. Stewardship of your faith. Stewardship of your gift, gifts. And stewardship of your love. That's what God is looking for. That's what God is going to judge us on. And I just want to encourage you this morning. Let's just take evaluation of those three areas. How well are you doing? You don't have to answer me. Just ask yourself in your own heart. How are you doing there? You're watching online. How are you stewarding those things? Because in the end, those are the things that only really matter. Is the stewardship of your faith, the stewardship of your gift, and the stewardship of your love. Those are the measures that Jesus is going to judge us by. And he gave us that in Matthew 25. You could go back and you could read and study that, that passage of scripture uh, on your own time. But I just want to encourage you, man, let's just take an account. Let's just become more aware of the things that we do in our lives and that we're not just doing things aimlessly. You know, a lot of times we walk around aimlessly is because we don't have purpose. But when you can begin to put your life into purpose and ask yourself, what has God instructed me to do where I am currently right now? A lot of times we want the big thing. We want to know, what am I supposed to do now? But what ask God, what can I do now? Where am I, what, right now, God, where I'm at right now, what can I do right now? When we begin to focus on that and those things that I've talked about today, I promise you, you will live a life of such fulfillment, of such purpose, such joy, and such enrichment, a life that you thought you would never have. All because you practically search the Lord and say, Lord, use me where I am. Let my faith be stewarded well. Let my gifts and, and my love be stewarded well. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. And I just want to pray for all of us before we go any further. I just want you to close your eyes and lift your hands. And I just want to pray for everyone in the room. If you're watching online, I want to pray for you as well. Lord, I just thank you right now that you've given all of us the gift of stewardship. And I just pray right now that there's no guilt, there's no condemnation in those that are in Christ Jesus. But I just pray right now that you give us a greater sense, Lord God, of awareness of where we are in our stewardship of our faith. That, Lord, that the obstacles, the things that we face in life, that we won't let them shipwreck us and put blows to our faith, that our faith is intact that our faith is strong, that we're in fellowship with you, the Father, that we're in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that we will draw our strength from the Word and from the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we steward our faith well. I thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you've given each and every one of us. I pray that those gifts will become even more alive and active and that we begin to steward those gifts that you've given us, Lord God, and we give them back to you for your glory, that the gifts that we have are all to magnify your name, to lift your name on high. And I thank you right now that you will sharpen it, that you will quicken the gifts that are inside of us, that we begin to, through education or through, through teaching, whatever it is that we need to, to equip ourselves, Lord God, that we will continue to sharpen our gifts. And I just thank you for our love. Lord, that we would treat others as we, you have treated us. That we would have compassion and mercy on others. That the love of the Father would flow from our hearts into the lives of others. That we're just an extension of you. And I thank you that we would grow in our compassion. That we would grow in our love. That we would grow in our service, Lord. That Forgive us, Lord, for areas that we've been selfish. Forgive us, Lord, for areas where we wanted to be served and not serve others. And I just thank you that we're stewarding our love well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can keep your head bowed and your, your eyes closed. And I just want to give one final invitation. You know, we talked about there's two judgments to come. But I want to be on the right side of the judgment. You know, judgment is only bad when you do something wrong. 
And when I stand before God, I want to hear those words, well done, job well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to give an open invitation to you watching online or you in the room today. And you say, I want to be on the right standing of judgment with God. I want to be in right relationship with him. When I stand before him, I want to hear those words as well. Good job. Job well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to give an invitation for you that you may have once served Christ and kind of back straight and walked away, but there's a, a sharpening, there's a, a quickening in your heart to say, say, I need to be in right standing with God. I need to be in right relationship with God. If that's you in the room, you're watching online, you want to be in that number where you want to be in the right standing with God. I just want to pray for you. And I'm just going to ask you, if you're in the room or you're online, just lift your hands right now. And I just want to pray for you. If you want to come into right relationship with God, you want to be in the right standing with him. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm just going to ask everyone to very reverently do this. I want everyone just to place their hands over their heart. Everyone is just to place their hands over their heart. And I want everyone in the room, you watching online, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today with a thankful heart. Thankful that you forgive my sins and wash me as white as snow. I thank you, Lord, that you speak into my heart and to areas that have been hurt, that you bring healing. I thank you, Lord, that I have a future and a purpose in you. Speak to my heart daily as I pursue you. Show yourself real to me in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give a hand clap for those that made that decision to follow Christ. If you're in the room and you made that decision to follow Christ, just do this one thing for me. In the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, I made a decision. Just fill that card out. You could drop it in the bucket during offering time. And if you're watching online, just put it in the comment sections, whether you're watching now or later, that you made a decision. We'll love to reach out with you and pray with you as well. Well, man, that concludes our four-week series on The Real Jesus. Man, were y'all excited about that series? Did y'all enjoy that series, The Real Jesus? Man, it was so good, and I really enjoyed that. But, man, we'll be back with you guys this Wednesday at 6.30 for prayer. If you're prepared to give online, you can give in two ways. You can give online on our website at newlifemobile.org. You can go there on our homepage. You'll see a tab. You can give, or you can download our app, and you can give on our app as well. Well, man, we love you guys. Hope to see you this Wednesday at 6.30. If not, we'll be right back with you. Come join us in person for church at 10, 10 o'clock a.m. We'll be back here in the building next Sunday at 10. We love you guys. Hope you have a great week. Y'all have a great week. Amen. <laughs>